Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. I just felt like that, well, long time no see, right? All right. Uh, I felt like what happened in worship today was a recalibration. And I felt like, I'm, I'm sure I'm talking to the right crowd, but sometimes the scope or the sights on your, your gun get a little off. And they need to be recalibrated because if they're off, you can be aiming at the target that you believe that you want to hit. But if the sights are off, if the scope is off, then it doesn't matter how focused you are on it, you'll miss the mark. And I felt like worship today was the Lord recalibrating our sights. All we need is you. All we need is you. And when we put our attention on him, it recalibrates how we see ourselves, how we see those around us. So, Lord, we just thank you for that time of recalibration because, Lord, you know we get off sometimes. And, Lord, thank you for bringing us back and lining us up to hit that target. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it can be really frustrating to... Feel like you have everything lined up, but you just keep on missing the target. And so, and that's what the presence of God does. If you ever feel a little bit off, get with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know the Holy Spirit's always with us. He lives inside of us. But we can, uh, he, he can be present, but we cannot be connected to it by where we're looking. And that's kind of a little bit what I'm going to talk about today. I couldn't really think of a great title, so my, my file on my computer was one title. My title on this is one title, the title that I sent to... So basically, the idea is surrendering to the presence of peace. All right. So let's open with this verse, Colossians 3, 12 through 15. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Who is this talking to? Now, obviously, the context is to a church, right? But is that talking about you? Since God chose you, since he called you out, since he set you apart, this is talking about you. So can you say that with me? This is talking about me. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must. Oh, okay. Okay, here's something. So this is talking about me, right? This is talking about you. And then it goes on to say, since we're talking about you, it goes on to say, you must. 
Didn't say, I suggest. I didn't, didn't say, I didn't, I think it would be a good idea. It says, you must. Say, you must. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Say, this is talking about you. Talking about me, right? Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Okay. Right? You must. Remember. Oh, let's put it in context. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love. Let's say it again. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And without going into it too much, but basically when you sing harmony, how many of you got, like know the barber quartet kind of thing? They, they have a key, right? They have a note that they're aiming for, and each one sings a different pitch or a different frequency. And then all of them together form a chord. So my point in saying this is when it says to be in perfect harmony, it means we're going to do things a little differently. But when we are in one spirit, we come together beautifully. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. I love how that ends in verse 15. So he goes through all these things. You must clothe yourself with this, 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 this. Forgive others uh, because you've been forgiven. And he tops it off. Well, there's more to the verse, but this is the portion that I'm talking about. But he tops it off with, and be thankful. So it's kind of the thing that kind of, it seals the deal. It's the first line of defense. And in Ephesians 4, uh, Paul instructs us, or it says, to leave no place, no space, no opportunity for the enemy. And let me tell you something. Thankfulness is the first door of opportunity you must close. Because when you are not thankful, you'll be easily offended. When you are not thankful, it will not be easy to walk in kindness. When you are not thankful, it won't be easy to walk in humility and gentleness and patience. So I love how it's topped off. Oh, and always be thankful. In every situation, be thankful. That will close the door to the enemy. It's the first line of defense. So this passage of scripture has about 20 sermons in it, <laughs> really. And I was thinking about the time when Jesus said to the disciples, I have much to say to you, but you cannot bear it. So this is the struggle that every pastor has to go through when he's preparing a sermon. I have so much to say to you, but there is only so much that you can bear. So say, I'm, I'm getting better at this. So <laughs> All right, so the portion of this scripture that I want to focus on today is where Paul instructs us to let the peace that comes from Christ roll in your hearts. 
For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. So this verse is actually talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Because there's different levels of peace, right? But the peace that this is talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. How, can, how do I know that? Because it says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. One thing I love to say is that God has a monopoly on what he supplies. The peace that he supplies, you can only get it through him. The joy that he supplies, you can only get it through him. The love that he supplies, you can only get it through him. So the peace that this is talking about is something that we receive from him. It's not something that we can just drum up. It's not something that we can go to a Christian bookstore and get. It's not something that we can find a great YouTube video or YouTube tutorial to watch. It's something through connection and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And this is where it's kind of talking about in John 15. It's that relationship between the vine and the branches. So you can't make yourself have peace that passes all understanding. Okay, I want you to manufacture peace that goes beyond your own thinking. Come on, let's do it, guys. You can't. It is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want you to count it all joy in your worst moments. Well, that's what Scripture tells us. Count it all joy when you face various trials and temptation, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Come on, have joy in a difficult season. Now, we can kind of, um, how can I put it? We can, uh, we can make ourselves joyful, but it will only last so long. <laughs> On our own strength, it will only last for so long. But it's through the connection of the Holy Spirit that it's lasting. You know, I, that love, that type of love that the Spirit offers is agape love. And that love is what brought Jesus to the cross. That love is a sacrificial love. That love is to lay down your life for another. Drum it up. Make it happen. You can. It's only through the work of the Holy Spirit that we have access to it. Like I said before, God has a monopoly on what he supplies. So that the peace that this verse is talking about is the peace that now is accessible for those who have a new life in Christ. So you have access to a peace that is only available through your connection with the Holy Spirit. And this peace that Christ offers is an inside job that manifests externally. What does it say? It says to rule in your heart. Where is that? Is that an inside job or an outside job? Inside job. And to live in peace. We live with others, right? That peace is then expressed or manifested to those around us. So let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It's a surrendering to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's an abandoning your right to react to a situation. What does it say? Let the peace of God rule, rule your heart. That word rule in the Greek means to be an umpire. 
What does an umpire do? That's inbound, that's out of bounds. It also means to decide, to determine, to direct. It is a place of authority. Now listen to this. It says, let the peace that comes from God or comes from Christ rule your heart. Are you guys following this? It is a surrendering posture. So let the peace of God be the deciding factor on how you will respond. Like I said, when we surrender to the presence of peace, we give up our right just to react to a situation. Has something ever happened? Someone pulled out in front of you and it was quick and we just reacted and it wasn't always the best reaction. But when you surrender to the rule of peace, you have to go, um, is this good to do? <laughs> you surrender to his will and his way. Now, obviously, we have moments of weakness that we all fall into. <laughs> so don't beat yourself up if you flip off the driver that uh, pulls out in front of you. I love how it says, it says, let the peace that comes from Christ roll in your hearts. Let is a very big word in this verse. <laughs> because it makes known that God in all his authority will not force peace, his peace upon you. What does it say? Let the peace that comes from Christ. So God in all his authority will not force his peace upon you. It means that we must surrender our right to control the thermostat of our internal climate. How many of you like to control the thermostat? The husband, he's hot, so he needs it cool. <laughs> And this is stereotypes, I get it. But, and the wife is like, I'm freezing. Amen. <laughs> but when we surrender, when we surrender to the peace that comes from Christ, what we're saying is, Holy Spirit, you have authority to control the temperature of my heart. Because sometimes we want to get hot and bothered. And the Holy Spirit says, cool it down. <laughs> Take a chill pill. <laughs> and let, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. And peace, the peace that only comes from Christ, is only possible through connection. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. 
I really felt like today, I mean, I'm going to have to talk, but I felt like the scriptures just say it all. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Seems kind of, how do you do that? <laughs> but it tells us how we do it. Let's look at the beginning. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. It's kind of like the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Just because I'm in proximity to someone does not mean I am connect, in connection with them. Just because I'm around truth doesn't mean I'm changed by it. And being changed by your environment can only last so long. Have you ever got into a new social circle and you're like, whoa, they do things a little bit different than I'm used to? And then over time, you start adapting to your environment, right? Same way with church. We have a code of conduct, right? Gossip free. So when you come in here, you're like, whoa, this isn't done here or it's not accepted here. And so you adapt yourself because of an environment. But the truth is, that can only last so long. Environmental change can only last so long. So when Jesus talks about change, he's not referring to adapting to your environment. He's not talking about adapting to a Christian culture. He's talking about if there's going to be true transformation, it must be in me. It must be through me. It's because of me and a result of me. Change is only through connection and fellowship in and through Christ. And that only comes through relationship, connection, interaction, hunger, desire. And in this case, it's a surrendering to peace. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Now, obviously, we have authority over our own hearts, right? But have you ever surrendered the rule of your heart to another thing? We all have, right? And Paul is saying, let the peace that comes from Christ, let that be the thing. Let that be the place of authority. Let that be the umpire of your heart. So Jesus is not just talking about behavioral change. He's talking about an identity change. He's talking about a changed DNA. He's talking about a new creation design. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That doesn't come through behavioral change. It comes through taking or identifying with that new creation design that you've been given through the work of Christ in and through him. Like I said before, you can't drum up the peace that passes your understanding. 
You can't drum up the joy that is joyful in any situation. You can't drum up the type of love that is sacrificial. It is a result of connection and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Why is that important? Because if we're in him and he's an overcomer, what does that mean? We're more than an overcomer in Christ. Are you guys seeing this? It's, I think so much, so many times people understand things with their mind, right? Like, do you know that the Holy Spirit lives in you? Yeah, I know. And? And? It's not just a head knowledge. It has the power for transformation, like in scripture where it talks about believe in God, we in our society think, well, believe in. Like, I believe like with my head. But in, in, in the scriptures, it's not actually believe in God. It's actually believe into God. And that's very different. So our perception of Christ, where it says, I have overcome the world, aligns a right attitude, be of good cheer, towards our circumstances, which in that case was tribulation. Why is this important? Because how we interpret our trials, our struggles, our circumstances will directly affect how we interact with them. What's the biggest thing that you're facing right now? Do you see yourself as more than a conqueror? Our God is a well that never runs dry. He has a solution for every situation. And when we surrender to his will, when we allow his peace to be the umpire of our hearts, guess what? We're going to have a solution for things that's beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension. Peace is not the absence of trials. Peace is not the absence of a storm. Peace is our connection to the presence of Jesus. And the reason I say connection is because there are times when Jesus or the Holy Spirit, like he's on the inside of us, is present. But we are disconnected from his presence. How many of you know that one of the truths that we know from the scripture is that God is omnipresent? What does that mean? He's everywhere at all times. But there's a, another truth in scripture that there's a manifested presence. So he's always there. He's always, uh, he's everywhere at all times. But then there's a time where we are aware of it. He manifests himself. Let's look at Mark 4, 37 through 38. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. 
I don't know about you. I'm not a fisherman. Well, I have fished, right, recently. I got a, I got a license this year. I'm not much of a sailor. <laughs> but I would be concerned if water was filling the boat, right? I'm not an expert on it, but that sounds like a bad situation. So that it was already filling, but he was in the stern. Is that the back of the boat? So Jesus is in the back of the boat. The, the boat is filling with water. All right. This is not a good situation. He's in the back, in the, the back of the boat, asleep on a pillow. Asleep on a pillow. I think sometimes we read these things and we just scroll right through it. We just run right through it. But in the midst of this storm, where the water was coming in the boat, Jesus is in the back having a power nap. Have you ever been in that situation? Where you're like, all hell is breaking loose. And what is Jesus doing right now? <laughs> Where's Jesus at right now? But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And I'm sure that's how they said, hey, teacher, teacher. I'm sure it wasn't like that. Why do you not care that we are about to die? And although the natural world was in chaos, Jesus was physically, emotionally, and spiritually at rest. Think about this. He's in the back taking a nap. And this is serious. Like these disciples, these were fishermen. They've been in storms before. And it was such a storm that they said, we're going to die. So can you see this stark contrast? There's absolute chaos and fear. Imagine screaming. You know, like think about the disciples. They argued all the time. Do you think the best was pulled out of them at this moment? No. They were yelling at each other. I'm sure Peter was the loudest. I'm just imagining it. So he's screaming, confusion. And reading this, you think it was just one boat, but there were multiple boats. And so these boats are slamming together. And they're screaming at one another. They're blaming someone for not bringing the thing that they needed. Right? And Jesus is in the back sleeping. Jesus is sleeping. Have you ever watched a baby sleep? And you're like, so peaceful, so restful, so relaxing. This is the state that Jesus was in. He was restful. He was calm. He was actually being rejuvenated because when you sleep, you're rejuvenated. He was at peace because how many of you know when you're not at peace, you can't sleep? So all this stuff is going on. 
And Jesus is there in peace. So much so, Jesus is so, so much in sleep that they had to wake him up. Come on. And look at how the disciples perceived his demeanor. <laughs> Don't you care that we're going to die? Which makes total sense because the boats were filling with water. So my question for you was, Jesus present in their circumstance? Yes. Were they connected to his presence? No. What was his presence? It was peaceful. It was relaxed. So the presence of Jesus in that moment was restful. It was calm. It was peaceful. Peaceful. Do you see the difference between someone being present and the presence of that per and that do you see the difference between someone being present and the presence that a person carries? Have you ever ha walked into a room or someone walked in the room and the presence shifted? <laughs> so people carry a presence. And it is the presence of God that we connect, identify with, and respond to. Jesus was present, but the disciples were not connected to his presence of rest. Now, I'm saying this. I understand that. I get it. I'm not blaming them. Believe me, I have a deep fear of being in the ocean, okay? So this is right up my alley of fear, right? <laughs> like, I do not like to look down and not know what's below me, right? And you're like, amen. That was the first amen I got, talking about my fear. All right. Yeah. It's like, come on. And I found out that it's a real fear that has a real name. But my thought is I don't like to be in a place where I'm the prey. All right. So understandably, right? I understand the fear, maybe not to the extent that they were experiencing it, but, and they woke him up, teacher, don't you care? And the thing about teachers, if you've ever been around a teacher, there's always a lesson in everything, right? We're going to go on a field, we're going to go on a hike. It's not just a hike, people. We're going to be labeling leaves, and we're going to be categorizing the rocks. It's never just a field trip, right? What did they say? Teacher, don't you care? So if there is a lesson in this, the next logical question would be, why would Jesus be at rest at a time like this? Let's just go through this logically. The first thing that we need to assess, is Jesus a heavy sleeper? Do you think that was a lesson that is being taught here? We used to live by the firehouse, like a couple houses down. I am such a heavy sleeper. Well, now I'm not. After children, that kind of changed. But I used to be a heavy sleeper. 
So do you think that's the moral, moral of the story? Jesus, this is, uh, that Jesus was a heavy sleeper. No, I don't think that was it, right? So why is Jesus at rest at a time like this? Well, for one, he was probably tired. But so if it's more than Jesus' sleeping habits, what could it be? Acts 10.38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So the Holy Spirit was the sole source of power for Jesus' ministry. Like you could see this throughout scripture. Jesus did nothing on his own accord. It was always through the instruction and the, and the enablement of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit and he was in total submission to his will and his way. Hint, hint, hint. That same spirit lives in us. John 15, 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son of man can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever, whatever the father does, the son also does. So this verse also reveals Jesus' total, pen, total dependency on God the Father, which the Holy Spirit connected him to that. The Son did nothing on his own. So what does this tell us about the Father in this situation? He was at peace, which Jesus expressed. All this chaos is happening. Accusations flying around. I'm sure they use uh, really Christian words at that moment. You know, all this stuff was going on. And Jesus was demonstrating the Father in that moment. Jesus reflected the Father through the work of the Holy Spirit. Mark 4, 39. So they got him up, right? He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Notice Jesus commanded what he was already manifesting. Jesus commanded what he was already manifesting. What was he manifesting? The presence of peace. The prince of peace. So Jesus is already manifesting heaven and peace when he commands the sea to be at peace. Also notice Jesus rebuked the wind. The wind is the cause of the waves and spoke peace to the waves, the effect. Could it be that we try to rebuke the waves in our life, the circumstances, the troubles, the pain, our neighbor down the street, when we should be speaking peace to them? Jesus' example is to rebuke the charge, or rebuke means charge with fault. Jesus' example is to rebuke the cause, which was the wind, and speak peace to the effect, which was the waves. How many of you know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood? So what should we be rebuking? The principalities and powers. Okay, not the neighbor down the street. And we, what should we do then? We should speak peace to the effect of it. 
Does this make sense? So the authority that we have as believers comes from our submission to the work of the Holy Spirit. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God. You got to remember this part, right? Therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. What's the first part that we have to do? Submit to God. What did we all, what did we start out with? And let the peace that comes from Christ rule your heart. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire of your internal climate. So when we submit to God, we submit to his way of thinking, his way of doing things, his truth, his reality, and then resist and the enemy will flee. So from our new way of thinking, we speak peace of what is being affected. Remember, Jesus modeled what it looks like to be in submission. Remember how I said the peace of God is that umpire of our hearts. As we submit to it, we say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do in this moment? You may be thinking, well, yeah, that was Jesus. Mark 4.40, same portion of scripture. Then Jesus asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? What is faith? Faith is what connects us, connects us to heaven's reality, and it is only comes from his word. You have to remember that Jesus saw the natural circumstances through heaven's perspective. Have you guys ever been on a plane before and it was raining? Up above, it's beautiful, right? It's like, this is nice. But then you land and it's all raining and stuff. So when we see from heaven's perspective, we're going to see our situation from a totally different place. We're on a new plane. Plane being like, Level of elevation. All right. <laughs> so the point of seeing from heaven's perspective is not just to see your circumstance differently. It's to step into the authority that God has given you to speak peace and life to your situation. I'm going to say that again. The point of seeing heaven's perspective is not just to see your circumstances differently, but it, is, but it is to step into the authority that God has given you to speak peace and life to your situation. It's not like, well, look at this horrible thing that's happening. I know what God wants to do. And <laughs> speak peace or whatever what, however the Holy Spirit leads. It's very difficult to, to step into your authority when you're consumed by your situation. If you're consumed by fear, shame, confusion, doubt, unbelief, and anger, it's going to be hard to step into the authority that you've been given. This should tell us something about functioning in our spiritual authority. You cannot release something you don't possess. You cannot release something you don't possess. So the first thing that we must do is, what does it say in James? Submit to God. 
Submit to God. God, what is your view of this situation? Speak to me. Give me clarity. So then I can function from that place. Because if I don't have it, how can I release it? I'm sure there are some times where you just want to release something. But it might not be what the Lord wants. All right. I told you. There are so many things I could say to you, but there's only so much that you can bear. <laughs> All right. We'll end with this one. It's a short one. I promise. So the degree that we experience peace is the degree that we place our attention on heaven. Matthew 14, 30. So this is a, another example of a storm and Jesus showing up. I love in the, like, I wasn't going to pull this out, but I love in that, that section in Matthew, it's like, yeah, Jesus was walking by and he was going to walk by, but they saw him, so he came over. So there it is again. <laughs> Matthew 14, 30. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. This is Peter when he's walking on water. He said, Lord, save me, he shouted. So why would Peter experience a loss of peace when Jesus was standing right by him? He placed his attention on the storm rather than Jesus. Like this is simple stuff or maybe it's simple because we talk about it a lot. But we will lose peace if we keep our eyes on the wind and the waves. So Peter puts his attention back on Christ. He says, save me, Lord. When we place our attention on other things, we become afraid. We become overwhelmed and our future becomes uncertain. And I love how when Peter shouts out, Lord, save me, the scripture says Jesus immediately reached out to him and grabbed him. When our attention is on the storm, we will experience these things. But when we place our attention on Jesus, his word, heaven's reality, just like Peter, just like when Peter shouted, Lord, save me, his attention was, was redirected back to Jesus, which brought salvation, security, and peace. And let the peace that comes from Christ. Actually, can you put that first scripture up? Can we just read it together? Um, and let, so down near the bottom. Are we ready? And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Oh, I forgot that. Well, that's good too. See, if you, if you don't remember that, right? You, well, it's up there. I mean, I didn't have that part in my, my, my notes, but I said a lot of stuff today. <laughs> I think the thing that I want you to get out, out of this 
if this is this is the one thing I want you to get. Are you submitting to the rule of peace in your life? Are you submitting to his perspective and his way? Let that peace be that umpire of your heart. Lord, we just thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that whenever we're in need, we can cry out to you and you bring salvation. And Lord, there are times when we're overwhelmed, where, we're, where we feel like our life might come to end. But Lord, you have a higher perspective. And Lord, we submit to your will, just like Jesus did with the Holy Spirit. That same spirit lives in us. God, we submit to your leading and your guiding. And whenever we feel overwhelmed, Lord, Lord, we run to you. We run to the throne room of grace in time of need. Lord, give us the strength, the grace to walk this out. In Jesus' name, amen. Those are one of the sermons like uh, easier said than done, but I believe if you work at it and you submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit, it can become a part of your very nature. All right, can we have the healing team? <laughs>